So Robin, how's the book going? It is actually going remarkably well. Yay. Yeah, no, after literally after we signed off from recording last week, I went nuts and wrote for hours and hours and hours. Aww. Yeah. Awesome. So I am now, as I've been promising people in my life, I was like, oh, I'm almost a quarter of the way through and then I'll show it to you. I am now a, a full quarter of the way through this book and it's going places. I also, you will be very proud after all of our discussing of outlines last week. <laughs> Not only did I write a bunch when I couldn't write anymore because it was time to go to sleep or destroy my sleep schedule for the next day, which I, I sometimes do that, but this time I was like, no, I, I will sleep. I did just do a little outlining. Like I sat down and just did a little like re-outlined. There was an outline for this and it was very detailed mm-hmm. and I've already diverted from it. And that's great because <laughs> that outline was definitely outlining a book with too many things in it. And this is much more focused And I like that. It's like each level of outline is getting more refined and more focused and there's less in it. So, oh, thank goodness. So I'm very proud of myself. Well, that's good. How is your book going? It is going. It is still not in the being written stage. And I'm kind of like, it's interesting doing this with this record happening um, because it's making me more aware of how much you kind of have to sit with an idea and... Sometimes you can force it, but sometimes you just kind of have to let it develop in the back of your brain a little, and then all at once it will sort of click when you're thinking about something else, and you'll be like, oh, yes, that is what we should do. Um, so that's kind of been happening, and it has been fun kind of learning things about the characters that way. I do love that part of any project. Yeah, this one, I can tell, is going to be... It might be the closer to like using my own experiences than anything else I've written, just because I kind of forget. But I totally ran that that club in high school. Like you did, you ran anime club. I ran it for one year. Yeah, this is so not interesting, probably to everybody else listening. But we had anime club, and then we had Japanese culture club that was supposed to focus more on like movies and le- learning the language and stuff like that. But that one ended up having, by the time I was running it, kind of a low turnout because there just there was a lot of overlap, and I don't quite know why they were separate clubs to begin with, because we were like white kids who were into anime. This was not like, yeah, this was not relevant to the Japanese American students at our school, of whom there yeah. were plenty, and I'm sure had their own thoughts and feelings about what was going on. I mean, sometimes. Like, there were students who were involved in the nerdy stuff, too, but... Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure it it was one of those that had probably made more sense at the time it was created than it did, you know, (laughs) a few people down the line, but it was still really fun. It was. Well, and I know this is so relevant to your book, even though it doesn't sound relevant to writing to everybody out there right now, but we're going to bring it around. (laughs) We're going to bring it around to the book. Yeah, we really did try to take a club that was just people sitting around in a room, in a dark room, watching anime and making terrible jokes at each other. We did turn it into a club that was about, like, discussing anime and as literature. Like, we did yeah. that. Like, we 100% did that with our own incredibly, like, limited access to knowledge and information at the time. <laughs> so it totally made sense that we combined those. And your book is sort of, like, as you said, like, this is coming from your experience a little bit more because your book is about 
after school clubs and the importance in these kids' lives that they are, but also like the weird relationship between the different after school clubs at a school, mm-hmm. because often they do attract some of the same students. And the fact that you're in one club or the other is part of your social life. They can really change the experience of high school for somebody, right? Yeah. And I do want to say, because I loved our anime club, that the things we did to it were not because it was like bad before. It was awesome and run by uh, an excellent lady who I'm yes. actually still <laughs> Facebook friends with her. I think oh, she's yeah. In no, Seattle. we're still so close. Yeah. But I actually <laughs> know her from like elementary school. Um, so she did a, a fabulous job oh, yeah. with it. We just, it's kind of like with each new, with each new leader, you kind of have like a new. You have to have a different approach or else yeah. you're just trying to live up to somebody else. Yeah, and it was kind of that within the four years in which anime went from being kind of niche and hard to get to being very mainstream. So I think our adaptation was more because we had access to more obscure things and you kind of had to fight to get them known about because so many people knew about like what anime was in a very mainstream way. So I'm going to definitely use that kind of like tone shift, having a new like club leader um, trying to like sell people on your mission, even though it might be a little bit of a change from what they thought they were getting. Like I'm, I'm definitely using that a little in this story, and I hadn't thought that I was going to, but I think it's going to come up a lot. Yeah, I love it. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really liking how it's kind of developing and and getting to know the characters. And I'm like, I always get kind of hesitant to try and pitch things. <laughs> speaking of the industry, um, as series especially if you're a new like an unpublished author yeah well an unpublished novelist because it's harder to sell a series at that point like you want something that can stand alone just in case it like people don't like it you haven't committed to a whole series you you want it to be their idea that it should be a series like you want you want to like if you leave it open to the suggestion it could be a series you want that to be something that they see series potential in but you like don't usually want to tell them that that's where you're going unless your agent feels like really comfortable that they can sell this book for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, I think it's okay to be like, I could see this developing into a series, but it's definitely a self-contained story. Like, cause the, the danger just is you don't want to pitch like the first game of Thrones book and, and be like, but there are going to have to be seven more. So yep. <laughs> yeah. Even though series are a really important part of the industry and yeah. they look so omnipresent that you would imagine that they're a prerequisite, especially for fantasy and stuff, but they're they're not necessarily, and it's definitely not like it is sort of asking a lot of a publisher for them to consider that they should be publishing many books by an unknown author. No, my my yeah. agent always like cautions me. She's like, it's totally great that you want to do more in this, but definitely like focus on it standing alone and i like i like the elegant standalone myself i am definitely mm-hmm. writing something that i would like to have be a series is that how you're feeling about yours oh yeah like i definitely want it to be either a series in that it continues with these characters or is a series in that it has similar like themes in each book but it maybe it's a different like nerdy club in a different school or something like that like there's there's like some thread of kind of cute nerdy romance or something but it's not hell no they're not like hard romance but yeah but but either same characters or same basic like audience i guess yeah is that because you feel like 
with every choice you're making in this book, it's closing off other choices and you want to be able to pursue those in another story with a similar tone. Like you're just inspired and you're like, oh, there's so much I could do here, but it can't all be in one book. So you can already kind of imagine the other books that would be companions. It, no, it's actually like way reverse, whereas that <laughs> has always been my goal is I I really wanted to do like a series of you know, kind of slice of life romancy novels that are about like nerd romances yeah. instead of just like the same, not the same. There are, there are plenty of like romances about more like normal or even bookish girls that aren't, you know, cookie cutter in any way. But I, I never see ones that are about like anime fans, D&D, like yeah. going to conventions. Like I've always kind of wanted to do those romances. Yeah. Um, I do. This, ep- this book is ending up being a little more... Like the two char- the character, the characters falling in love are a girl and a boy, and I tend to typically write queerer series, so I would like the opportunity to do that in a later book as more of a like central romance. Like there are definitely still queer kids in this book. Like it's a yeah. gamer club. There can't not be. <laughs> Okay, so of course, before we can even begin to think about a whole series and other books, you have to um, write the first one, right? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of important, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, I'm super proud of how much I wrote last week, but that was maybe the first time that I've done decent writing this whole quarantine. Mm. Yeah, so that's been exciting. I think that that's like, it's, we're going to probably talk about this in every episode forever, (laughs) <laughs> but we were excited to sort of like bring up with each other, like, what do you do when inspiration and focus do not come, but you need to put your butt in the chair and write? Like, how do you overcome yeah. that? Like, what are you supposed to do when you know you're supposed to be writing? There is time on the clock for writing, and you just can't make the sparkly magic happen. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot with I mean, because while I'm not quite to the writing at stage, I am still in that, like, I have to force my brain to think about it sometimes, because I usually am just wandering around and I'm either doing homework or, you know, listening to a podcast. Like, I don't, at the moment, have a whole lot of, like, quiet brain space, and I need to kind of, you sort of need to build that in, in order to be able to think ever. Um, So... I, for me, anyway, I find like going for walks are really helpful, especially in this, because um, we are still, for the future record, we're recording this early May 2020, so we're still in um, like social isolation or whatever during the COVID-19 pandemic. And um, yeah, going for walks, I'm finding very nice because it lets me get out. I, I have a mask I bring in case I have to get close to humans, but Um, mostly I haven't had to wear it. I just kind of wander and everybody kind of keeps their distance pretty well. Yeah, our neighborhood has been really good also about, like, for the most part, everybody's giving each other a lot of space, but we're still getting outside and it's nice. Like, I feel really lucky because I know that not everyone can actually leave, especially people who live in close-knit, like, apartment complexes. It can be really, really hard to feel like it's safe to be out there. And and in some places, it's even really discouraged. But here, we are definitely allowed to take walks, and we are really trying. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's. I kind of wish that... I mean, I have my roommate, and she's great, and we definitely talk things out, but I kind of wish I had, like, a walk buddy, Um, because our schedules are so different. Like, she, you know, is on her feet all the time at her work, because she still has to go into work. Oh, yeah. She definitely does not need to get any additional exercise. Like, I'm sure that she is 
yeah, she needs to come home and, and like, relax. And that usually aligns with me wanting to, like, go out and just move my damn limbs. So, um, which is nice, because then it gives her some alone time in the house, which I'm sure she's grateful for. But I do kind of wish that a buddy to, like, just talk things out as I walk. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm really, I'm really lucky. Um, talking things out with my partner, Nate, who is also a writer, is, like, one of the integral parts of our relationship, let alone mm-hmm. my writing work. Like, talk, I mean, like, this is just such an important thing. And it's not always easy. Like, sometimes trying to get the really pre-verbal stuff that is in your head when you're constructing a story, that does not always want to come out as words. And Mm -hmm. it can be really hard to communicate that to somebody else. And especially if we're both dreamy writers stuck in our own heads and we're, like, both trying to talk to each other about the stuff that we care about, but we're both really stuck in our own head, it's kind of hard to get into the other person's head. So it has its pitfalls. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know... But one solution to the I don't have a walking buddy is, though, sometimes yeah. my brother, who lives very far away, sometimes we call each other when we take a walk. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah nice. And we just talk on the phone while we take a walk. And it's been something we have to do because, like, we live so many states away. Mm-hmm. I I know that adorably in college, I used to, like, call my mom while I walked Aww. home from school a lot. Yeah. Because um, I had kind of a long walk. And it was just like, okay, I need to check in with my folks anyway, whatever. I was (laughs) really, really homesick a lot for whatever reason, even though I only went to school two hours away. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But that ended up being kind of like a a nice habit. And like, yeah, it's a little annoying to be talking on the phone out in public with other people around. But like, come on, be kind to everybody. We all (laughs) miss people and phones are one of the only ways we're going to stay connected right now. Yeah. And on that note, even without walking, I do find that like, calling somebody or talking things out with like people in your house can be really useful especially if you're like stuck on a thing even if you can't verbalize it sometimes them trying to like ask you questions or help you verbalize it will help you like narrow in on what is and is not accurate so like them saying a thing that's totally not what you meant to convey and you having to like figure out what it is and why that can kind of force that (laughs) yeah i mean again sometimes somebody being really really wrong can help somebody be like oh no 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 (laughs) yeah another i don't know like also just kind of creating an environment in your writing space Mm -hmm. can be really really helpful too Um, i know that you definitely drink a lot of tea while you write Yes, I drink a lot of tea. For a long time, hot apple cider was like my writing drink. And I just like tried to like Pavlov my way into that, where whenever I was sitting down to write, I would make um, just like those little packets of apple cider. I think it started because I was going to cafes, but late at night, so I didn't want to get something with caffeine. So I was getting like hot cider. And Mm -hmm. then I was just, it was during NaNoWriMo one year. And so I just started being like, okay, this is now your writing drink. You drink this when you write. So when you drink this, it will make you want to write. Yeah. Um, Which I really should see if that will still, like the next time I sit down to write, I should really make myself some apple cider and try to like rebuild that habit. Because just having that like anchor that like, this is now writing time. Um, because I, I struggle with, even though I have like separate areas to write, I really miss going to cafes because it's so easy at my desk to do um, lots of like administrative things I'm supposed to be doing in my life. Like, oh, yeah. I sat down an hour before we were supposed to record and I was like, I'm going to write. And then I was like, wait, I have so many things to do for the podcast. <laughs> and so I spent most of the time doing, um, you know, just like little admin things that were useful and needed to happen, but didn't you know get me towards writing as much although i did i did get some outlining done so oh, it wasn't yeah. all wasted 
<laughs> yeah, no, like, I always have so many Etsy convos that I need to answer mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. stressful emails from conventions or like, no, like so many things, so many things get in my way of writing. And I know that, you know, I, I, I have really come to this place of like, deciding that my writing environment has to do with music. Hmm. And as I said, like, starting to actually put on headphones when I'm in a room with other people, which I just, oh, I hate it. It's so rude and my ears hate it, but, like, it really (laughs) helps to create a space that feels, like, totally apart from the rest of my life. And if I listen to the same playlist every time, the words start to become meaningless so they don't even interfere with my writing, and that's pretty great. Mm -hmm. I really do have a hard time listening to stuff with lyrics while I write, but I also do not like movie soundtracks to write to at all. Oh, yeah. But I mean, mind you, I don't really like movie soundtracks in general. (laughs) Like, I don't like them. There's a lot of um, instrumental music that I do like, but it tends to be... Like, I like folk music from around the world, but that is so wrong for my... like so wrong for my book. So I'm very picky about the music I'm listening to setting the right tone for me. So right now I have this playlist that is my favorite thing ever. And it is just like a ton of gothy new wave, like 80s synthy sad boys singing about bullshit. (laughs) And it's so good. Like I love this playlist and it's literally stuff that one of the characters would listen to. Mm, yeah yeah like everything it's like oh is this song kind of about the night or the moon or ghosts or death cool it Mm -hmm. goes on the list and at this point again like i've listened to it so many times that i'm like no it's fine like i don't have to pay attention anymore and it becomes this cool indicator for me where like Mm -hmm. if i'm really listening to the music it might just get me in the mood but if i realize that i can write even though there's a song with lyrics on it's like oh i'm in flow it's like actually an indicator for whether i'm in a good space to write or not and if i just can't get there sometimes i do decide maybe it is time to do admin work like if i just cannot like be in this world and type on this thing maybe my time needs to be used for other stuff like mm-hmm. Because that's, I guess, sort of the colliery to the whole thing we're discussing is like, oh, how do you force yourself to write? Sometimes the answer is you just can't. Like, you're not ready. Like, you need to let the stuff just ferment in the back of your head a little bit longer. Yeah. I mean, I had a writing teacher. I may have said this before, but I had a writing teacher that would say most of writing is not writing. And it's kind of true for um, fiction writing, but I think also like essays where you probably by the time you sit down to write, you have done a lot of the the brain work already like you already have spent a lot of time figuring out the characters or figuring out like what you want to say or what your your direction for your essay is or, or whatever it is so that by the time you write it's not that that's not work but that's not the only work that like there's a lot of work that's been done just to get you to the sit down and write stage and i think people either forget that or don't realize that yeah it's really easy when things aren't working out quite right, when you're like, oh, I'm not in the like perfect flow state and my book is inching along, it's easy to sort of blame yourself and to just be like, oh, I just don't have discipline or like I'm just not doing the things that writers are supposed to do. And you're like, well, maybe you just do not have the brain space to be like working on this mentally. Like maybe your brain isn't actually fermenting this material and turning it into distilled perfect words because I don't know, you're in a global pandemic or mm-hmm. y- there's there's something tragic and difficult in your life or your just background anxiety is really high mm-hmm. and sometimes you do need to do some things to deal with that stuff first. Like I know that I do actually have to like 
get a few things off of my to-do list done. I don't want to, like, do the dishes instead of writing, but <laughs> man, if I do need to do some dishes so that I can have a cup to drink tea out of while I'm writing, or whatever <laughs> it is, I'm kind of a cold drink sort of gal, but, mm. like, that that stuff, like, it can be just part of the writing ritual, and maybe those chores or admin tasks can turn into a place for your brain to, for your subconscious to actually process things. Um, like, I yeah. know that sometimes if I'm doing yard work or washing my hair or something boring and kind of repetitive, I that often is a great environment to be actually thinking and doing that pre-writing. And I start to kind of write in my head, and then I'm ready to sit down and do something. Clearing, like, clearing the mental cache of other things can really, really help, but also doing those, like, repetitive meditative tasks can let your brain free itself too. Yeah, totally. And those are kind of like, I, I definitely doing the dishes for me does that a lot, um, showering. Um, but the problem I, I'm kind of running into is it's really easy for me to just have a podcast going and um, which sometimes is good because like, I actually just need to not be thinking about things. I need my brain focused on something else just because it's been a long day or whatever. But oh, yeah. sometimes I think I'm like losing important, thinking time because i'm going to that um convenience of just having a podcast going and yeah. i need to remember that sometimes i should just not do that <laughs> i i love that you brought that up because this is a thing that happens to me when i'm working on comics too mm. um when i'm inking and doing like the final stages of any kind of work where i've already figured out like the process for that book and like i know how things look and it's just it's just like but in chair, moving my hand around a lot, and the problem solving is still there. Like, I still have to, you know, tighten the perspective in this panel and make sure that there aren't tangents. And like, there's things to think about, but I'm not literally planning the story. In those moments, I really like to have a podcast on or someone reading to me, um, because I want to be transported. Because otherwise, I kind of get bored or I notice I've been doing it for three hours and I'm like, oh crap, I could do anything. Like, why am I doing this job? <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. should be wild and free outside. <laughs> yeah, it starts to feel more like a chore that you're doing and less <laughs> like the fun work that you enjoy. <laughs> yeah. So like podcasts really, really help me with that. Like anything narrative or people talking like at me feels mm -hmm. great when I'm doing again for like repetitive work. But the minute I need to to um storyboard or thumbnail or sometimes even pencil something. Like any time where I need to be making a lot of decisions, a lot of problem solving, and actual storytelling problem solving, oh my goodness, I cannot have anything talking at me. Like it's when I need to force my, and sometimes it really feels like a wrench. Like I have to force myself to listen to music. <laughs> I love yeah. music. I dread, like really love music all the time, but oh boy, if I'm in the place where I'm just like, I just want people to read me trashy horror stories all day. If I'm in that place, it is hard for me to say, no, no, you also like to listen to nice sounds that are in a rhythmic order. Like, it could be very hard for me to wrench myself to that. But 100% of the time with writing, I know that like, if I am listening to other stuff too much, like if I'm listening to other narrative things, it's like, yeah, no, like, I won't be thinking about anything. Like I'm mm -hmm. in the story, like I'm in that moment. And if I am ignoring it, well, then I'm missing out on a finite resource, which is, I mean, there's only so many trashy horror stories on the internet, Lucy. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, yeah. I have to conserve them. I can't just ignore them while they're on. Yeah, you'll run out. I'll run out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, like, I, I almost can't listen to music like at all while writing 
except that sometimes I've had to because like I can I can deal with the white noise of a cafe, but sometimes the music or the conversations will be too much and I will need something in my earbuds or something instead so that I'm not being distracted. And that like kind of has to be music of some kind. So I've discovered that there are a couple artists I actually can have on and they're um, Vienna Tang, which is a really lovely singer songwriter i think she writes her yeah. own songs it's got a lot of piano it's very kind of like i don't i don't know what you would call the genre it's of music. lovely it's and yes folky. also edgy and badass yeah i love her stuff and um so i can just listen to that and that's partially that i've listened to her stuff so much that it does kind of disappear but it has like a very calming thing so i can kind of like it kind of puts me in the right mood without distracting me um and then the mountain goats is a similar thing where i don't know if you've listened to them but they are just wonderful oh, yeah. and kind of raw yeah they're great so they i can have on and it will kind of convey um a different tone but similar level of like um it will kind of disappear into the background and kind of tone what i'm doing but not distract me from it and um so i love them um and as far as like i don't usually make playlists there's one story i have that is very tied to um the magnetic fields and oh, yeah. specifically their 69 love songs album and yeah. I can always use that to get me into the mood to write that story. And like one of the singer's voices sounds like my character to me and one of my characters. And that is just like a spell that I can just use if, if I want to work on that story. Yeah. But it's like the only thing that I have that, that is that tied to music. And it's because I was listening to that soundtrack or not soundtrack, that, that album. Yeah, it became the soundtrack to this book because it's what it's part of like what you were listening to when you were inspired to write yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It was when I was in college and I was working at Ikea and I would spend my morning drive um, to, or well, my drive to and from work, which I think it ended up being like half an hour to 40 minutes depending on traffic because I lived downtown at the time. And I would just spend listening to that album and like I would purposely challenge myself to like, think about a specific aspect of the story on my way so like how would my character react to this what is what do they think about this like i would give myself little prompts to kind of think about while i was driving which actually i really miss like i've had a lot of ideas come to me while driving and that's one thing i kind of miss about um being at home constantly now is that i'm not getting any of that like driving time yeah but i haven't been driving that much since i went back to school anyway because i've been busing so and I can't think on buses. They're too, too distracting. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny because, I mean, you were, Lucy, you were talking to somebody who basically has to not only listen to, but sing along with Dead Man's Party, <laughs> Boingo Boingo, <laughs> which is like maybe the most opposite of Vienna Tang thing that could exist, yeah. except not quite. But are just like, yeah, like that's how I have to start my writing sessions is <laughs> singing along to baby Danny Elfman. Yay. But I also have so much magnetic fields on that playlist. Mm -hmm. well, and <laughs> the biggest tragedy for me ever is that that story is set in 1998 and 69 Love Songs came out in 1999. <gasps> so I can't have it. I can't have him listen to any songs from that. And luckily, there are several albums that I mean, yeah. like, they have lots of stuff from the early 90s. Yeah. It's great. And, and some of my favorite albums like, oh, man, Charm of the Highway Strip is like know, from right? around that time. So it's great. Um, oh, but, this oh means, boy. Robin, if you have a sequel, he can experience that album coming out for the first time. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I should like actually um, ask people I know about what it was like when that album came out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Were there God. lines in everyday music? <laughs> like, yeah, I imagine. <laughs> I don't. You said you knew the Mountain Goats. I believe the main the main guy in that is um, was in Portland in the nineties as a musician. 
Yeah. So that, I don't know. That there's, I feel like there's a connection there. I don't know if it feels tonally like your story, but that made me think of it. <laughs> yeah, my story definitely should have a little bit more of a, like, American folk and bluegrass kind of feel, but it super doesn't because both of the main characters do not feel connected to America in that way. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they're just not... So just like, yeah, no, the one who's really into music is more interested in, like, British New Wave because he just sort of wishes that he were a little more, I mean, honestly, he really wants to be a French New Wave, like, film character, like, inside. Like, that's what he <laughs> really wants. Or, yeah, or, I meant more yeah. tonally. I don't think it would be on their playlist necessarily. <laughs> no, but... no, but but I'm just saying, like, tonally, for me, it also doesn't work because I'm just like, well, they yeah. wouldn't have listened to this, this but I probably songs. should. So, yeah, I find music really inspirational but not really very like i can't have it on while i'm writing but i'd be really curious what works for other people so for people listening out there i would love to know like please tweet at us or something and let us know kind of what works to get you back in to kind of that like creative mode if you're not quite feeling it yeah is it all about creating a good writing environment is it a pavlovian response that you have developed (laughs) to something or do you also just like need everything to be silent and everything to be finished or do you write to avoid everything else because i uh, mm-hmm. think that might have been what happened with me last week ah. was i just needed everything to go away and so i just focused on this alone yeah i do love that being able to just completely throw yourself into a story like that's my favorite writing feeling is when you are writing partially just because you want to know what happens next and you're the only one who can do it <laughs> and then partially because you're just like able to immerse yourself in it and feel like that is the world instead of having to deal with the world. And that is just a really, that immersion feels so nice. Yeah, no, we definitely write for that immersion, don't we? Because that's what we want our readers to have. And if we can't get that feeling, it feels like, oh, how could I ever trust that a reader will have that feeling? Yeah, exactly. So I think we're about done here, but we did have some kind of exciting things. Um, I know this episode we're recording early May probably won't come up for like a month, but um, as of now, we are officially a real podcast. We have a real feed. We're not just um, something on our Patreon for our Clampcast podcast. (laughs) Um, And I mean, if you're listening to this, you probably figured that out, but we're through Podbean. So if you use Podbean, I think you can subscribe directly through us there. Um, But we're also in, um, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. By this time, we're probably on Spotify. Um, Yeah, so you can find us there. Uh, We do have a Twitter account, which is at writeformepod. And um, so you can tweet at us. We're going to try and be posting writing prompts pretty frequently um, just to kind of like help inspire you throughout the day, get you thinking about your character. And so like if you, you know, have any prompts of your own that you want to tweet at us or something, we can retweet that. That would be really super fun. Um, and we're really just happy to have this out actually kind of starting to get to the world. It's it's really exciting. Yeah, I'm excited also because my agent agreed to do a Q&A for us. Yeah. So anybody who has questions for agents like in general, like, please just start shooting them to us so we can compile some really good stuff for her. Um, She's a badass. And we missed getting to do a panel at Emerald City this year about this topic. So like, uh, please, like, give her something fun to do. Yeah, that would be great. And I mean, we do, we don't have that much planned, but we do hope to have like other guests that we know that are, you know, editors or writers or work in publishing and also write and all of that, all that fun stuff. (laughs) All right, all of us crazy people who think that we can write a book during a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Lucy, I'll make you a deal. If you write for me, I'll write for you. Deal. Happy writing.